Bruce Lawn. Travis Scott thought it would be a good idea to break his silence and go and do an interview with none other than the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne the God, the most awkward interview I've seen in a long time. Charlemagne literally had a sheet of questions that he kept looking down and asking him about and reading questions. Um, definitely attempted to clean up the situation as much as he could. You could definitely tell this is the most media trained interview I've seen in a very long time by media trained. What I mean is that many celebrities who don't normally have conversations and do uh, interviews will sit down with a publicist and then somebody that media trains you and walk you through your talking points. They will ask you questions ahead of time. They will make sure you don't say anything over the top and out of off brand or what have you. And I, Fairly certain that in this situation, they definitely made sure that he wasn't going to say anything that was going to put them at risk with regards to liability, legal liability. Okay, and so this Travis Scott was very media trained for this interview. I cannot believe that Charlemagne, the God who people tend to view as someone who is has, uh, you know, some credibility as a free thinker in the space went into this with a list of questions that he was allowed to ask, and he kind of go off script here and there. Um, very interesting interview, man. Very interesting interview. I wanted to highlight a couple things from this conversation, and the main one, which we'll get to towards the end, so you got to make sure you watch till the end, which is Travis Scott saying that he is, and I quote, this came out of his mouth, a man of God. And I'm going to give you guys exactly where I think that statement came from, why it was said, and what he, what I think he meant by it, okay? So you got to watch till the end to get through that, to get to that part. But let's just jump into this. I'm going to play a couple parts, man. Um, watch this interview all the way through, and then I watched about half of it a second time, and I was, I was... I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I cannot believe this is happening. So, yeah, people said they uh, collectively, they collectively heard folks screaming help every time you stopped the song to get your attention. Did you... Did I mean, this brother literally has a sheet of paper that he's reading the questions from. Did you hear any of those screams? Nah, man. And, you know, it's so crazy because I'm not I'm not artist, too. Like, you know, anytime you can hear something like that, you want to stop the show. You want to make sure, you know, fans get the proper attention they need, you know. And I, anytime I could see anything like that, I did, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I stopped, like, a couple times to just make sure everybody was okay. And I just really just go off the, you know, the fans' energy as a collective, mm -hmm. you know, call and response. And I just didn't, I just didn't hear that. You know, mm -hmm. I got music, I got my in-ears, but I just didn't, I just didn't hear that, you know? The one thing that he kept going back to is that he couldn't hear and he had his in-ears. You could tell that they're creating a, yeah, I definitely disliked this interview. Yes, I did. You guys see the dislike? <laughs> the, he kept going back to his in-ears. So what I'm wearing in-ears. Some of you guys don't know what in-ears are. In-ears are noise canceling headphones not all of them, but most of them, especially at that level, they they fit very snug. And in a live venue situation, he is hearing himself in his headphones so that he could hear his auto tune, hear the music because they don't use speakers or reinforcement or monitor. So they're in-ear monitors. So you're not really hearing the room, the stage or anything else. All right. So let's keep going. Break that down a little more. Like nope, nobody knows what it's like being on stage except for other artists. So speak to us from that perspective of, of what you can see in here. It was like, what, 50,000 people? Yeah, I mean, you got like a, 
a venue, you know, filled with like 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. But it's like a scene. You got lights, you got sound, you got pyro, you got, you know, you got your in-ears, you got your sound, you got your mic. You kept going back to that in-ear point, which I think was interesting. You know, got the music, you got bands, all type of, you know, stuff going on. So it's hard, it's hard to tell excitement from, from, from danger, so to yeah, speak? Yeah, of course. Everything mm-hmm. kind of just sounds the same. And, any, and at the end of the day, you just hear music, mm-hmm. you know? And when you do, you just hear amongst of things, you know? But you just, when you're in a show, you just enter the show, and anytime you can feel anything close to you, you know, you try to, like, definitely get to that. So, so as an artist, how much can you actually, I guess, help in that position? You can only help what you can see, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So here's the part where I, I agree with Travis Scott. One, yes, when you're in these types of large venues, I've never done 50,000 people. I've done about 5,000 people at a pretty big mega church. When you're in those environments... You cannot hear the room. This is correct. This is why sometimes you'll see an artist have their inner out. They could hear the room that way. You typically cannot hear the room. He is correct about that. However, however, regardless on what size the room or what size the audience is, however, you can see everybody. That is that is nonsense. You can see everybody. Okay, so this notion that like because you're on a stage, you can't know you you can see everybody. There there was enough backlight behind him where you could see the audience regardless on the size of the show. And then, you know, whatever you told, you know what I'm saying? Whenever somebody tell you to stop. Now, this is the part that frustrated me. He said, and whatever you're told, whenever somebody tells you to stop in trap, Laura Ross's breakdown of it, he had pointed out to the fact that two people ran on stage and started whispering something to him in the uh, in the middle of the show. Okay, so he was told something by actual people, friends on stage that came and and, and said something to him. Two, um, <clears throat> there were people that got on stage and and got his attention enough to said, "Who said we should stop the show?" So there was that part where the girl jumped on the stage, got a, got got the cameraman's attention, and then they were yelling, "Stop the show! Stop the show!" And he heard enough to to hear, "Stop the show!" So he did hear that. So I think this Charlemagne, I think needed to press harder on this if you're going to be objective and actually have a hard conversation. I think it was real corny of him to sit here and not ask him any of those hard questions. You know, Raging, Raging has been a part of the culture, you know, of your shows. You know, you didn't on this night, but in the past, you've encouraged, I guess, the kind of energy that could have led to something like this happening. Mm-hmm. Do you think that contributed to the energy of this night? Yeah, no, nah, I think, you know, it's something I've been working on, you know, for a while. So this is a great question. This is a great question. This is a question where Charlemagne actually asks him straight up. You promote Raging. You promote People getting violent at your shows, right? And is you didn't do it at this show, but did it cause this entire fiasco by the type of energy or the vibes your audience already brings to these events? A lot of folks doing drugs, a lot of folks ready to rage, right? And listen to how he answers this question. Contributed to the energy of this night? Yeah, nah, I think. Yeah, nah. Okay. <laughs> Any like, any like, uh, uh, body language expert, anybody that studies like deception, he says it right there. Yeah, nah, like, yeah, nah. You t- you, you answered it. Like, yes, it did, but nah, I don't want to take responsibility for it. Right? It's a little little Freudian slip there. Let's keep watching. You know, it's something I've been working on, you know, for a while. Um, 
of just creating these experiences and trying to show like the experiences happening in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. You know, us as artists, we trust you know professionals to make sure that you know things happen and people leave you know safely. You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's not even just like a regular show. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like to me. We trust professionals to make sure everybody leaves safely. Right? He's what is he doing? He's relinquishing responsibility here. He legally can, he legally is I think the last time I saw was either 10 billion or 12 billion dollars that they are uh, liable for in terms of these suits. That's what it totals to. So he's legally trying to relinquish responsibility. He's trying to get as close as possible as he can to the edge of expressing empathy and and, and, and showing that he's broken by this without taking any responsibility because he knows if he does, then he's going to be held negligent and it is going to be used against him in the court of law. Um, as far as like, you know, energy people, it, it didn't feel like it was like, you know, people didn't, I don't, people didn't show up there to just be harmful. Mm-hmm. People just, I think showed up to have a good time and then, you know, something unfortunate happened. People didn't show up to be fam. They ran down your entire fence at like noon the, 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 the merch areas got shut down. He says that later in the interview. People won't be there to be harmful. Obviously, some people that were there to do something harmful. And I think we really just got to figure out, you know, what that was, you know? We got to figure out what that... Does raging make it harder to identify when something is going wrong in the crowd? Well, I think, you know, raging is just a... You know, they have a textbook, you know, definition. But, you know, in concerts, I mean, we've grown it to be just experience of having fun. It's not about just, oh, harm. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's about... Raging is, we've grown it to be to experience having fun, and then it gets worse. Listen to what he says next. Just let go and have fun, you know. Just let go. Others, you know, love each other. It's not about love each other, fam. This man had the nerve to say raging is about loving each other. No, raging is your version of moshing, where people rush each other, hurt each other, and turn up. He literally just said, no, it's about loving each other. Travis, cut it out, bro. His best bet in this entire situation would be to be silent and quiet and let the lawyers figure this out. Just, you know, harm. That's not what it's all about. The show isn't just rambunctious for an hour. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not what it is. Go watch... Traplor's Ross breakdown of this showing him getting arrested at Lollapalooza for raging, for telling secure to telling the people not to listen to security, people running on the stage, them having to do a song and then get get shut down and getting arrested. Okay, so the, the issue with Travis Scott is if this was another artist, I don't think people would be upset. The issue with Travis Scott is in the hip hop community and scene, people have known there to be a history of this with them. He's been arrested multiple times. There's been multiple injuries, multiple people hurt on his shows, and he's glorified this over the years. So, again, he's trying to come to the line of showing empathy as much as he can without taking responsibility because if he does take responsibility, he's going to be held negligent in all of these lawsuits and potentially legally liable, right? Trust me, I grew up on crunk. So, you know, I understand, you know. You just don't don't want it to get... Out of hand. Yeah, but you know the co- you know energy is high, you know, mm-hmm. and energy is high. Vibes, man, vibes. You know, and that's why you want to just make sure that you know people are surrounded to make sure that people are just having the best experience. You know what I'm saying? You know, I can't say the energy is high, but you know, you want to make sure that people are there to 
for people to have like the best experience and leave. You know? Yeah, you, you want people to have a good time. You want people to get yeah, hurt at all. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, God forbid, pass away. And you know, it's typical. <laughs> God forbid, pass. Away. Yeah, Charlemagne. Ten people passed away. Three hundred people got injured. Thousands of people suing this man. Let's get back to this. Since like a difference in urgency this time around. I mean, yeah, because you know, you stop the show, but you know, you, you know, if something's gonna happen, if it's something detrimental, somebody's gonna let you know, you know, or you know, the show will just stop. L- listen, someone's gonna let you know, or the show will stop. So it's this language of like, well, s- s- someone should have did something. I don't know what I was. I mean, I yeah, there was an ambulance going through the crowd, and I mean, uh, the people got on stage and yelled at me to stop the show, and but, but I mean, somebody should have did something. It's like, bro, this is your festival. And, you know, that just wasn't the case. You know, I just kind of stopped the show. You know, you just ask. You have a call and response with the fans. Um, you try to, you know, generally get a response. But, you know, if you don't get, like, a hard like stop. stop, you yeah. know, it's just. But they yelled stop. That's the issue is people yelled stop. You, you can't. You just don't. You just go off of what's going on, you know, which makes it so, like, so crazy because, like, you know. If, he yells out. It makes it so crazy. And then he stops and he's like. People do your stuff. So you could tell, like, he, he feels bad. Because I don't think, I don't think Travis Scott's a monster. He feels bad. Any any human would feel bad if this happened. I don't think he intentionally meant for this to happen. But he knows that if he crosses that threshold of taking responsibility, it's, 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 he's going to be sued. He's already being sued, but he's going to get, he's going to get sued and lose Based on how he responds in this interview, yeah, I feel like if, you know anyone would have known, it would have just been like it wouldn't have got that far, you know. Mm-hmm. What, what headspace were you in when you posted that uh, that initial that initial response video? I mean, it was I think it had to have been the night of, you know. Um, so I was just in a headspace of just trying to get a communication out to my fans, you know. Um, I, I had little to no information, you know. So I was just trying to figure it out and just communicate to them, you know. There was like chaos and trampling being reported. Since the early afternoon, like like hours before the show even started, were you informed of any of that ahead of time? Well, no. Like, um, and um, you know, the police he came, he came and um, here he, he's caught in a flat out lie. Here, he says there was chaos and trampling earlier. Were you were you aware of any of that? Did the police say anything? And he says no. Even though the police publicly came out and said they came and told and warned him of what happened earlier in the day and that it was rowdy and to be careful. To my trailer and, you know, he congratulated me on, you know, the event and, you know, having something like this in Houston. He let me know that this, it was, uh, you know, mishap at the merch booth earlier. You know, they shut it down, but they opened it back up. A, a mishap? Hundreds of people broke down the barricades and, and, and flooded the venue. Team got it under control. You know, he was going to step out and just let us know if we need anything, you know, mm-hmm. have a good show. That was it. You know, um, a lot of the criticism, you know, from the tragedy, they say, is in the, the poor planning and understaffing of the of the event. As an artist, do you have any involvement in any of that? Well, I mean, we just, as an artist, you just do the creative. And for this being my festival, you know, I got, you know, bring artists, you know, creatively produce it. And, you know, we just trust in, the, you know, the professionals to kind of just make sure that, you know, people, you know, are taken care of. And There he goes. As an artist, I do the creative. I got to relinquish responsibility. I'm not going to say anything that's going to hold me or Cactus Jack Productions liable. You know, leaving safely. You know, I just can control what I can on the stage. And then, you know, you have the professionals control what they can in the crowd. You know, it's just hard because as an artist, you know, you want to have like the best shows and you want to have the best experiences. And you on the uh, Houston police chief, his name is uh, Troy Finney. He came to you and he, he said he voiced concerns over the, the crowd energy. 
So what, what did you and your team like do with that information? What you got? Well, I think that's what... This is where Charlemagne, you could, he kind of goes off script a little bit and presses him a, a little bit, but it was still, you know... The media... Um, I think that's what the media said, but... I this man blames the media. Hey, the, 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 the Houston police chief said he came and talked to you and told you this is what's happening with the crowd. And, and, and this man says it was the media. It, uh, did y'all catch that? Like, this is, if this isn't media training at its finest, I don't know what is. And, you know? You spoke on the uh, Houston police chief. His name is uh, Troy Finney. He came to you, and he, he said he voiced concerns over the, the crowd energy. So what did you and your team like do with that information? What you got? Well, I think that's what the media, um, I think that's what the media said. But I think it, I think it read to more so that he wanted us to. He knew that our crowd was, you know, the type of crowd that comes. It comes at a heavy crowd. So to communicate with him, if we were doing anything outside of the week's itinerary, you know, mm -hmm. um, that week we were doing like a lot of charity stuff prior to the festival. He knows our crowd comes. It's a heavy crowd, and that week we were doing a lot of charity stuff. Yo, who, whoever th is this man's publicist, whoever trained him for this interview, really had him solid with his with his talking points. So, you know, the security at most of the events, but, you know, he was just letting us, you know, I guess in that statement, he was just saying if we do anything outside of what we had on our itinerary, itinerary let him know. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do something outside that, I said, Ray, let me know. That's what he told you, Travis. Okay. That's what he told you. And you had a week of doing charity and philanthropy work and all that kind of stuff. And so what he wanted to tell you, he's going to make sure you weren't going off script. But, you know, we didn't even get to that point. You know, it's crazy. Just, you know, being and kicking it with you for a little bit, like, I can see that, you know, this is weighing real heavy on you. Yeah. So so how much do you, do you feel a sense of responsibility for what happened that night? Well, you know, fans come to have a, come to the show and have a good experience, you know? Um, and I have a responsibility to, to figure out what happened here. I have a responsibility to figure out the solution, you know, and I got to, and, and hopefully this takes a first step into, you know, us as artists, you know, having that more insight of what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Um, Do you feel any responsibility for what happened? Yeah, you know, I, I have responsibility to figure out what went on and I have a responsibility of what we need to check. But us as artists, like, again, you're side, he's sidestepping the questions and he's going to, like, all of a sudden this becomes a systemic issue that artists and festivals are dealing with. And, you know, the professionals to kind of, you know, and the professionals and figure out more of an intel, whether it's tech, whether it's, you know, more of a response, whether it's whatever the problem is, you know, um, to figure out that in, in, in the future moving forward in concert safety. Check this. Yo, this, you can't make this up. This man literally goes, you know, uh, yeah, we got to figure it out as, as, as a entertainment community, as artists as a whole with the tech. And then watch what he says. Next. What he says next is like, fam, stop it. Mm -hmm. Make sure this never happened again. You know, well, let's talk about those professionals. Like how much, how much responsibility do you think like live nation and score more the promoters? Having all this. I mean, you know, they do their job of, you know, setting these things up. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, they... they. So let me not throw them under the bus because they're kind of the only shop in town for live events, Live Nation, Ticketmaster, right? When we dial into what, you know, specifically happened here, I feel like, you know, even they can kind of help, you know, figure out what happened in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um 
you know, but at the end of the day, I think collectively, everyone needs to just figure out the bottom line solution. But, you know, especially in concert safety, you know, definitely got to have, you know, make sure that, you know. Live Nation uh, reportedly agreed to end the concert early after the Houston PD and the fire department declared it a mass casualty event, but the concert continued for another 40 minutes. Was there ever any, ever any communication to you mm. on stage that you should end this? Well, yeah. I mean, they just told me right after, you know, the guests get, get off stage, you know, we're going to end the show. You know, and that's what we did. You know, other than that, there was no other communication. You know, oh, so after, you mean after the guest? What you mean? Yeah, after the guest comes out. Okay. After Drake comes out, we're gonna end it. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna end the show, but it wasn't because we gotta let Drake rock. I mean, it's it's declared a mass casualty event, but I mean, Champagne Poppy's here. We we gotta let him get it off. I mean, that's a moment. What do you mean? We gotta make sure Drake get it off. You know why? You know, it was just you know that's what came through my ears. You know, oh, so they didn't say stop now. No. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. No, no. You're, you're a father. You know, God forbid when your kids are of age. <clears throat> I'm not going to say that uh, I think Travis is this, like, cold-hearted guy that, like, wanted this to happen. I don't, I don't think that's it. I think he, I think he played around with this whole rock star raging thing for too long. And eventually, it all manifested in a way that I don't think he had the capacity to wrap his brain around something like this happening. And I think he legitimately feels guilty, responsible, and ashamed of what happened, yet he, he's not going to say that because, again, legally, it's going to hold him liable. So um, some people have went on to say, after watching his Netflix documentary, that Travis might be on the spectrum that there might be, you know, some, some, some things going on there in terms of, and a lot of, you know, highly artistic people are, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know if he understands that what he did over time amplified and, and led to something like this happening. And so I, I think he's trying to process it and make sense of it all while at the same time following the advice of his legal counsel. If they're in a situation like this, you know, I want you to put yourself in, those parents' shoes right now, what would what would you want to see come of this situation? If you... I, will, I want to see people you. put their heads together. I want to see people... I want to see people put their heads together. Really figure this out. Not take this lightly, you know? Um, and really act on it. Because um, that's what you're doing right now, Travis. You're, you're really figuring it out. And that's, you know, that's one of the main things that's important. I feel like they got to just act on it. It can't just be like something that happens in... It just roll over. Mm-hmm. We got to be something that's taken serious and addressed seriously, and things formed around it. Time and a lot of a lot of time and a lot of you know thinking power spent on this, you know, and really fixing you know whatever system that is it needs to be fixed, you know. Whatever system, <laughs> whatever system needs to be fixed. From the lawsuits to the media coverage, do do you feel like you're personally under attack? I mean. I mean, I mean, yeah. You, I mean, you see a name in it, in it, and shit, and it's like. But you know, at the end of the day, you step in these. You know, you step. You want to do a festival, and you know, when you when you want to do things, and you want to build up. You know, it comes with certain things, right? So, I think it's all about how you respond to it, and I think it's all about how you react, right? So, I, this ain't it, bruh. This is this is not it. This is not how you respond to it, fam. This ain't it. 
could feel that way, but I think more so about it's more about how I feel about the response that I that I that I'm that I care about more so, which is, you know, actually, you know, trying to step in and, you know, really step up to really fixing what's happening and and really step up for the safety of concert goers, of people mm-hmm. in, in just live spaces, period. I um, wonder I wonder is there a way to even prepare for this? Because nobody, like you said, when you're doing the planning for a show like this, nobody is planning for this to happen. So how do you, how do you? Way to prepare for this, fam. Yeah, there is. It's called extra precautions. It's what all these festivals did after the fact. Festivals stopping Lil Uzi Vert in the middle of his set. Yeah, there is a way. Even I was thinking of ways like tech solutions. You know, people come into these festivals with these bands that only scan you in, mm-hmm. right? Th- this man. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, talking about people losing their lives, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, like, but the tech, like these these folks come in with the bands, and the, the band only scans you in, like that's all the band does." You have, you know, you have all type of tech now that can track your heart, track your heart, track your, you know, oxygen levels, track. Why aren't the bands? Tracking people's heart rate and oxygen levels. See, we got to fix the system. We got it's it's a it's a it, all the it's a we got to we got to we got to come together and think and and figure out the, you know the thinkers and what's going on with the with the with the bands. Because why aren't the bands? Why aren't the bands that people are getting? Why aren't they tracking everybody's heart rate and making sure that there's a SOS sign going out when? Someone falls and their oxygen levels get low. We could we could have prevented this with the bands. All the bands do right now is just check people in or in or out. Why aren't the bands? Why aren't the bands fixing the situation, bro? You gonna be sick. Um, you can put things now if you're gonna be you know get lost. It's all type of ways now. I feel like that can be the band that only gets you access. The to- band. The band, the band only gets you access to the show in the merch area. That's it. The band to entry or to the food line or to food trucks. Can the not- band only gets you access to the food trucks and a food line. Now be soluble to helping save lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, can now be more of a response to people that are now on site and on ground. Um, I feel like that could be a way or, you know, even Travis, Travis, Travis really thought this through. (laughs) Travis that thought this through, they went and got a a, a patent on this band. This band idea is a part of his comeback story that they're going to roll out in the next couple years. Like, like this man's really like, yo, but the bands and maybe we could partner with the whoop. And the and the Fitbit and, and the Apple Watch and create a band to because the band should do more than just get you in and get you to the food, tr- bro. And just figuring out what the exact solution, what the exact problem of it was. What the exact solution? I mean, with the pro- we know what the problem it was. And dialing more into that, I think you can kind of. I feel like there is a way. I just think it needs to be time spent on figuring that figuring that out. Some people say um, your, your your music played a role in this. Like I've seen them you know, cite lyrics, you know, that encourage this kind of behavior. I've seen them say your music is demonic and this was a satanic ritual. You, you think your music is to blame? Okay, so this is, this is right here. <clears throat> this is the most infuriating part of this entire interview. Okay, the band part was pretty bad. 
Like the bam part was bad. Okay. But this right here, what he says here. So he says like the demonic ritual thing. Okay. We're like, okay, we get that. But listen to what, listen to what, to how he answers this question. I mean, no, I'm a, I mean, one, I'm a man of God. I'm going to pull that back. I'm going to pull this back. I'm going to pull this back. You, you think your music is to blame? I mean, no, I'm a, I mean, one, I'm a man of God. So that's the first thing first. And I'm a man of God. Travis Scott, unfortunately, is a byproduct of an American Christian culture that proclaims people to, to be something that they're not, something that they may have the potential to become, but prematurely proclaims people identities that they're not. This is that grandfather goes to church, I have some Christian friends. We're going to speak this in exist- into existence over you. You're a man of God. No, you're not. There's nothing in your music that would indicate that you're a man of God outside of you doing one song with Kanye called Wash This in the Blood. No, in his mind, some Christian in Hollywood told him or some parent told him that he's a man of God because his, he has a praying grandmother and somewhere in the process, he went to a couple church services. Someone shared the gospel with him. This isn't about judgment. This is about a reality and a soberness about us as Christians and followers of Jesus not proclaiming and professing every single person to to, 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 that they're saved, that they're men of God, that they're women of God, that they're princes and kings and queens in the kingdom of heaven, because, just because, right? And not holding them to the, to the transformative fire of saying, fam, listen to me. You can become a man of God. I'm believing things for you, but my brother, you, you have to change the trajectory of, w- of what your art sounds like currently, of the imagery and the energy you're attaching to yourself, of the things that you're representing in culture before you proclaim that on yourself. And I and I, I don't I, I think in his mind he believes that. Somebody told him that. Cause he, he loosely went somewhere to some service somewhere, right? And so if there's no evidence of transformation in the art. If there's no evidence of transformation and repentance in the lifestyle, if there's no evidence of transformation in the way the shows are conducted, then why are we proclaiming people men of God, women of God? Right? Like most of us are sober when we look at other celebrities that claim to be Christians and we'll say, yeah, he's on a journey. There are some things we disagree with him on. Let's keep him in prayer. But there's some measurable fruit. This person was fornicating and being sexually immoral, and then they got married, and there's slowly some change in the content of their music. There's still some things we disagree on, right? I don't know, Justin Bieber, for example. He was really wilding out, fighting with paparazzi, doing cocaine, and then 
He started going back to church and he started stopped being social, stopped being socially immoral. And then it started to move in the other direction. He got married. He's still doing a bunch of stuff I don't think he should be doing. But there's some sort of measurable difference and transition happening in a Justin Bieber. We, 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 we got to cut this out. If you're close to these folks, you got to cut this out. If you if, if someone if someone in your real life goes to a church service and puts up their their hand and says a prayer. We got to stop proclaiming people that they're born again, that they're saved. And this is why we get into the, you know, can you lose your salvation once saved, always saved conversation? Why? Because a lot of folks, what you're defining as saved, what you're defining as saved is not something that is biblically accurate. You're thinking that's because someone said a prayer, that because someone said something somewhere one time, they put up their hand and they, they said a sinner's prayer, and then you're proclaiming them born again. We got to stop doing this because then it will lead someone that's impressionable, that's young, like a Travis Scott, who doesn't quite understand the weight of his own words, doesn't quite understand what he's like, the depth of what could potentially happen with this art. When, especially when, 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 when life starts imitating art, you keep talking about people, you know, raging at your concerts and then guess what? Life imitates art. You keep talking about wild things happening and guess what? Life imitates art. These things become real. He, I don't think he understands the weight of that. And so what you're doing is, is you're enabling people to continue and persist in an ego duality, dual living, double-mindedness, right? Double-mindedness. He thinks that what his, how his art is as it stands right now is okay. And because he had some experience or some parents somewhere told him he was, he was, he was a man of God that, that all is copacetic with his life. And fam, that's just not the truth. That's just not, that's just not the truth. Right. And, it, and it's not any one camp. It's not just a prosperity gospel thing. It's not just a church thing. It's not a celebrity Christian thing. Everybody wants to uh, uh, proclaim people that they that they're doing this or doing that b- before they've actually showed fruit in these specific areas. And so, I think this is a Christian culture thing. This is a this is a Bible Belt thing. This is what that is. This is a Bible Belt thing. This is a Christian culture thing. This is a we're just going to proclaim everybody that they're saved without pr- public professions of faith, without public professions of repentance. Right. Without the needle moving in any way, shape or form. I don't, I don't think this is helpful. I don't think this is helpful. I don't think this is helpful to Travis. I think if there was a moment where he had an, some sort of encounter with God and I'm not, I'm not saying he did or didn't. I don't know. But if he did, but if he did, just hypothetically, let's just let's just hypothetically say, I think somebody needed to sit him down and say, my brother. We got to we got to make some adjustments. We got to change some things about you. Right? Like, I don't, I don't think he's trying to be tongue-in-cheek here and saying, I'm a man of God, I'm my own God, I'm a Satanist. I don't think that's what he's saying here. I think in his mind, at some point, he probably believed that. Right? Yes, he didn't proclaim faith in Jesus, which is also telling, because it's not, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a man of God. What does that mean? This is like a very, Kanye said, I am a, uh, uh, I'm a man of God on, on Jesus, when he was clearly wilding out. Right? And so... I think we got to be very careful here and, and say, look, we, we got to slow down with, with, with labeling people certain things. Call yourself Jesus curious. Call yourself on a journey. Call yourself something. Right? But 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 be very careful with, with proclaiming this stuff over people, fam. Anyway, 
Um, you know, so it's just, yeah, that's that. And, you know, your music is just like self-expression, you know what I'm saying? And at these shows, I feel like people kind of like... This man says, I am a man of God, but your music is just self-expression. Well, then shouldn't your self-expression reflect that you're a man of God? If your music is self-expression and you're a man of God now, shouldn't your music in the least indicate that you're a man of God? I, I, he did He did half a verse on a song called Wash This in the Blood, which by and large is a fire record by Kanye, mixed by Dr. Dre. Wash This in the Blood, whole life being... Th- like, it's a, it's a dope record. And Travis Scott had a couple bars on it. He didn't really say whole lot. It's like half a verse, right? But shouldn't something look different? Something feel different? And I've, 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 I've took pride in trying to, you know, grow from where I was when I first recorded music to now when I'm going to music. Um, what he's really trying to get at is, look, I said and done some stupid stuff with my platform and my music by telling people to rage at my concerts, by telling people to ignore uh, security, by, by telling people all these things. I've done, and I've done things and I've changed and my music is evolving and I'm trying to figure it out. Right. But he can't say that because then again, he's taking responsibility and he's positioning himself legally liable to and to allude that his music did have something to do with it. But if you're reading between the lines, li- li- listen to what he's actually saying. He's basically telling you guys, hey, yeah, my music's changed and evolved over the years and taking things to seeing and, you know, all type of things, you know. Um, and I've I've, I've, I've I've took pride in trying to, you know, grow from where I was when I first recorded music to now when I'm going to music. Um so yeah, I just think people gotta, and and that's one thing with me is just got people gotta kind of, um, you know, experience it sometimes, and I think that's what it was. You know, people mm-hmm. were kind of like even before people were hearing about it, they come and experience it and taking away their own thing. And I've, it's always gonna be an outside opinion, but you know, for the ones that you know really believe in me and you know understand what we're you know what I'm about and what I'm doing, no, that's not, that's not what I'm you know preaching. I always preach like love, always preach understanding, always preach you know. I always preach life, love. I always preach understanding. Take care of your loved ones. Love each other. You know what I'm saying? Get out your ideas. Never let, never let yourselves be stopped. You know. That's what that's what people think of when they think of your music, Travis. That's what that I mean. That's what you, that's what the that's 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 the ethos of your art, really. Love one another and step into that. You know. Uh, I mean, I- oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 entire thing, I, I don't think he did himself any favors here, guys. Um, I, I don't think he did himself any favors here. I think he hurt himself by doing this interview. I think people are confused why he would do this interview. I think this is not this was not in his best self interest to do this interview. Um, and I'm and I'm and I don't think it was a good idea because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, and this might offend some of you guys, but, but, but Travis Scott isn't beyond the grace of God. Travis Scott's not beyond the grace of, of Jesus. He's not. He's not beyond the grace of God. God could, God could still redeem him. God can still save him. But what is going to require is a, is a, hey, it's time to hush up for a while. It's time to just disappear you you're being sued for $10 billion, $10 billion. You are responsible for some of this. I don't know to what degree, but you definitely hold some responsibility and God's not done with you yet, friend. However, doing interviews 
with softball questions off of a literal freaking script is not the move. Get low, go disappear, go go somewhere where you're not out in public, get out of the spotlight, don't do no interviews, let this legally play out, go serve the families if they're a willing if they're willing for you to help and love them and serve them if you if you they even if they even trying to rock with you and and work on yourself in this time. Right? And work on yourself in this time. But doing these interviews is not doing you any favors, bro. It's making you look worse. It's making you look like you're, it's making, it's, it's like the Alec Baldwin interview. Like you're trying to show enough empathy in the situation without taking any responsibility. And it's, and it's, and it's, it's disingenuous because it shows that you're more concerned about what people think of you and, and less with what people are going through, specifically the family members in this situation. So, um, I'm, 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 I don't think this was a good move, man. I don't think this was a good move. I wish he didn't do this interview. I wish Charlemagne didn't do this interview. I, I don't think there's any way you spin this as you're some sort of victim in this situation as in the, it's all the promoters fault. Like you, this is something you just need to just fade away for a while. And, uh, and not be concerned with what people are saying because people are going to be mad at you for a minute. This is this is this is this is this is bad. Like this is really bad. This is really bad. This is when the nine year old unfortunately passed. This is this is really bad. This is really bad. Ten billion. All the lawsuits combined are totaling ten billion. You don't. You can't. You can't even settle for that much. They didn't have insurance for that much. Say they had insurance for what? Maybe a hundred million, two hundred million. 10 billion? What do you settle? What do you settle on 10 billion for? A, a, a billion? You, you settle 10 billion for a billion, 10%? They don't have enough insurance of that. So he's going to have to be him, Live Nation. These companies are going to have to be held personally liable. I think folks got to be praying for these families. Let, let people hear their stories. Charlemagne should have interviewed some of them. Heard from all of them. If you're going to do this Travis Scott interview, see if anybody else is willing to be interviewed. Right? Tell their stories. Tell the stories of the victims. Tell those stories. If you found this video valuable, make sure you smash that like button. If you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe, turn the bell notification on. If you want to go to Extra Mile and partner with what we're doing here, you can partner with us on patreon.com forward slash Kingstream. Link is in the description. And we are out. Peace. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce Lawn. Yo, thank you so much for making it to the end of this video. If you would like a free How to Study the Bible course, the link is in the description, getting you more clarity, context, consistency, and ultimately life change. Also, check out one of these other videos and be sure to check out my exposed testimony series to learn more about my story and the things I've gone through in my personal life. Thank you so much for watching this video. I will see you guys next time. Peace.